even though we're a few hours into 2017, I will promise you that this year will be new and improved. <laughs> Amen. Now, how can I make such a claim? Well, according to the National Advertising Division of the Better Business Bureau, I can use the term new to describe a product or offering for its first six months, and I can describe something as improved as long as there has been some change to the product or the packaging. So certainly changing the label from 2016 to 2017, I can claim already that we have improved this year. So you can understand that using the terms new and improved is not that great of a stretch. In fact, a few years ago, a U.S. yogurt manufacturer reduced the size of their yogurt from eight ounces to six ounces and boldly put on their product new and improved. <laughs> when they were challenged as to why they could consider this new and improved, they simply said that the two ounces of air allowed the consumer to add their own toppings. <laughs> Another U.S. manufacturer reduced the quantity of the contents in their package and simply called that new and improved. Unfortunately, the consumers didn't respond well to it, and their sales began to suffer. So what they did is they returned to the original quantity and then released it as new and improved. <laughs> now, I don't want to spend this morning get you riled up about U.S. marketing efforts, nor do I want to spend any time debating whether something can simultaneously be new and improved. But my desire this morning is that when we think about the Christian faith, we begin to understand the importance of the idea of newness. We understand that again, that we are changed from our old selves into our new selves. For example, we read in God's Word that God makes all things new. We are a new creation. His mercies are new every morning. He has put a new song in our mouths. But as Christians, do we truly believe those promises? Or do we simply see them as marketing fluff? Do we understand the basis for them and the implications? Or do we continue to live only with the external label without any change to the contents inside. As followers of Christ, we truly are new and improved over what we were before we encountered Christ. But do our lives provide truth and advertising for the Christian life? Are we truthful witnesses to the effect of following Christ in our lives? Instead of simply labeling ourselves new and improved, our lives should prove that we have indeed been created anew. My name is Carl Schultz. I serve as associate pastor here. Our senior pastor, uh, Travis Bond, is on vacation with his family. This morning, I want to look at Paul's 
second letter to the Corinthians as we enter this new year and begin to see how the term new and this idea of being transformed into something new impacts both the way that we live our lives and the way that we view others that we encounter. We'll be looking at chapter 5, six verses from it. You'll find it on page 966 of your pew Bible. And again, we'll be looking at verses 16 through 21. This is the word of the Lord. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we approach God's holy word this morning, please join me in prayer. Father God, as we enter a new year, we reflect on the way that you have provided and blessed us in the previous year, and we enter into this new year with great confidence that you will continue to provide and guide us in the year ahead. But Father, I pray that as we begin to look into what it means to be a new creation, what it means to be new in Christ, that it would impact the way that we not only look at ourselves, but the way that we look at others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul starts off this section, therefore. It's a popular word for Paul. He uses it over 68 times in his epistles, in his letters. And usually what it is, it's intended to kind of transition from his teaching some type of doctrine to now looking to apply application for his readers. And so certainly we understand that the therefore responds to something that was stated earlier, which we have to go back to verse 14 and 15 to see what Paul is responding to. For in verse 14 it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. It's again the gospel message, the proclamation of what Christ has done for our, on our behalf. It's not something that we again have earned. It's not something that we have achieved. It is simply something that we have received. And the word there that's interesting where he says the love of Christ controls us. The Greek word is sanako. 
And it's not in a manipulation, it's not in a coercive type of control, but it's as if he is holding things together, that he is pressing together so that we may remain on the path, that we may remain without falling apart. And so we have this understanding that Jesus died for all, that we no longer now live for ourselves, but for Christ. The results of Christ's love and His sacrifice on our behalf, we can see in verse 17. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Anyone who is in a relationship, anyone who has received Christ as their personal Savior is a new creation. Now, there are many things that in the Christian faith we need to wait until Jesus returns to understand the fulfillment of those. But here we see that at the moment you receive Christ, you have become a new creation. And here we see the Greek perfect tense here, which is an ongoing um, result of a completed action. So here the six-month rule no longer applies. We continue to be new even after that six-month period of coming to Christ has completed. And we never cease being a new creation because our understanding is God is constantly working in our lives. So what does it mean to be a new creation? I want to look at two things very simply this morning. How we see things and how others see us. First is how we see things. We go back one verse 16. It says, Paul says, No longer do we view anyone according to the flesh. And so we have an understanding there that by the flesh we're talking about by earthly standards. Our vision is now new and improved because we are seeing the world, we're seeing everything through the lens of Christ's love for us. When Christ comes into our lives, there is to be a reordering of how we look at everything. We see here that Paul says once he viewed Christ from earthly standards, Remember that Paul was originally a Pharisee. He was very skeptical of who Christ was. He saw Jesus as a, 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 um, a false teacher. He saw Jesus not who he claimed he was, but one that was speaking against the law that the Jews would have seen as being primary in their lives. And it was only on that road to Damascus when, ironically, Paul's eyes are blinded that he is able to truly see who Jesus Christ was. And when Paul meets the risen Savior, he changes from persecutor to proclaimer. Our ability to live as new creations require us to see Jesus for who He really is. 
This is not a time where we can simply use the catch-all, well, we all worship the same God. Because one, that is not true. And two, because there is so much meaning in who Jesus is for the way that we view our lives in Him. You may believe that Jesus is just a prophet, enlightened teacher, who led a perfect life. You may not believe that he died on the cross or that he rose again. You may not believe that he is part of the Trinity. You may see him as a created God or an angel that God has brought forth. But we need to understand that in order for us to truly understand what it means to be a new creation, we need to understand and see Jesus for who he really is. In Matthew 16, we have this moment where Peter, again, is, is, is brash. He's not one to always have the most clarity in his response to things. But there's this moment that he just sees right through everything. And Jesus is asking, who do the people say that he is? And the disciples respond. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We need to see Jesus as fully divine, understanding that He is God, that He has come to bring the news of salvation to His people. He is not simply an enlightened teacher or a prophet, but He is the one who has created all things and He is the one who can recreate us as new creations. But we also have to see Him as fully human to understand that He has experienced and suffered everything that we will go through. Because it changes our perspective on knowing that He is one that can know us better than, he, than we know ourselves. He is one that can understand exactly at every stage of our life what we are going through. And finally, we need to see His atonement, His sacrifice on the cross as being fully sufficient. Because when we begin to doubt that there would be anything that could redeem us from our level of brokenness or sinfulness. We're not questioning our own status, but we're questioning the sufficiency of what Christ has done. When we actively see Jesus for who He is, it changes the way that we see ourselves when we begin to understand that what He has done for us is not through anything that we have earned or merited or achieved a certain level of status, that it is simply the gift of grace. It is simply His love for us that enabled Him to take on the sins of the world. We begin to view ourselves differently. Because no longer do we see ourselves in any type of a status position. 
We no longer view ourselves as the way the world views things as far as achievement and level of status and, and uh, monetary wealth and prestige. But we begin to see ourselves simply as a sinner saved by grace, which indeed changes the way that we see others. Paul Tripp puts it this way, at the most foundational level, this change is not simply the product of good theology and disciplined obedience. Every bit of change that takes place in us is the result of our relationship with Christ. With joy, I affirm that I am a new creature in Christ, and with humility, I confess that there is still sin in my heart, so that I need God's grace today as much as I did when I first believed. We have become new and different people. That completion of the transition from our old self to new self takes, process, takes a process over years. And we refer to that in the, the words of sanctification. It's an understanding that God continuously changes us and works to change us. But when we, be, when we are able to focus on where we have been and why we're where we are, it changes the way that we view others. Now we see every person, not by earthly standards, but as one who is in need of grace. One is who is in need of a Savior like we once were. When we, are see our, when we see ourselves in Christ, we are not puffed up, but we are humbled by it. And we begin to see others as ones that we need to extend the grace that we have so wonderfully received. This can be hard at times. This can be hard when we deal with people who are difficult the annoying person at work or the difficult neighbor that you have or a family member that continues to just drive you crazy. But we have to see them through the lens of Christ's love. We have to understand that we too were not very lovable when Christ came into our lives. And it is only through His Holy Spirit that allows us to even begin to mirror Christ in our lives. Instead of simply labeling ourselves as new and improved, our lives should prove that we have been indeed created anew. The second part is how others view us. How do your friends and co-workers and neighbors view you? Do they know you're a Christian? Did you tell them you were a Christian before they saw evidence of that in the way that you lived your lives? I read this week about uh, a, a quick little article that said these are the, the things that people won't say when they see a Christian bumper sticker on your car or a Jesus fish perhaps on your car. There's just a couple of these. Uh, oh, look, that Christian woman is getting a chance to share Jesus with a police officer. 
No, Johnny, that's not garbage coming out of their windows. It's probably gospel tracts for the road workers. Don't worry, Billy, those people are Christians. They must have a good reason for driving 90 miles an hour. Stay clear of those folks, Martha. If they get raptured, that car is going to be all over the place. (laughs) And look, let's stop that car and ask those folks how we can become Christians. It's humor, but at the same time, the reality is that not many people have a positive image of Christians. They see that label simply uh, just as an external indicator. But they do not see a changed inside that reflects the outside label. Our responsibility as new creations, as those who have been reconciled with the Father, is to carry on the ministry of reconciliation to be ambassadors for Christ. The role of an ambassador, again, we understand, is one to represent a governing leader, authority, and to share with them the one that we represent. I'm wondering if it wouldn't be uh, wonderful in 2017 If more people learned this year that you were a Christian than before, but not simply because you told them or because they saw a Jesus fish on your car, but instead they saw proof before they even heard you use the term. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. For me, they tend to be unrealistic goals that get quickly dropped as the Weeks go on. But I would encourage you, as we enter a new year, to think about what it means to be a new creation. In his book, Imagine Church, Neil Hudson talks about these one-degree shifts that we can make. He likens it to a, a compass where you can change your path, your direction on a compass by just one degree, and you'll end up someplace totally different after a period of time. Initially, that change is imperceptible, but over a period of time, more and more people will see that change in you. I'm wondering if we, as a congregation, we as ambassadors for Christ can be looked at ways that we can begin to make those shifts within our neighborhoods, within our workplaces, within our schools, within our spheres of influence. Who is the one person in your neighborhood that you could reach out this year begin to show the love of Christ with? How can you shift time with your family in such a way that your children begin to see the true priorities in your life? How can you engage with your co-workers 
in such a way that they come away with an understanding that there is something new and improved about you, not simply just an external label that you throw around when it's convenient. This passage also reminds us of how the Father sees us. No longer are we viewed in our brokenness or sinfulness, but through the righteousness of Christ. The first verse in the text we just read says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's a fitting verse as we approach communion this morning, and it's certainly fitting that as we start a new year, we come to this table. I hope this will serve as a reminder for us to put Christ first in our lives. This table reflects both how we see Jesus, but also how the Father sees us through Jesus' righteousness. Our newness and improved vision is not the result of anything we have done, but indeed what Christ has done for us. The more we focus on who Jesus is and what he has done, the more we are able to change our perspective on ourselves, others, and the way others will see us. So I am confident that this will indeed be a new and improved year. Not because of any advertising, weasel wording, or loophole. Not even because I have so much confidence in mine or your abilities. But because I have total confidence in Christ can do in our lives and what his word promises. From Philippians 1, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Medway Community Church would love to welcome you as our guest one day soon. Our church family meets every Sunday morning for worship and also offers a wide variety of small group and ministry opportunities. To learn more, please visit us on the web at medwaycommunitychurch.org. We look forward to seeing you soon. Washing all my shame,